This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. I'd like to invite Paulina. Uh, today's scripture reading is from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, uh, and it will be here on the screens. After that, we'll invite Pastor Nick up to give us today's word. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, Blessed uh, Christmas to you. Uh, uh, Welcome if you are new with us today. I'm glad you you can celebrate Christmas with us this uh, morning. At Christmas, we celebrate Jesus' birth. And one of the ways we celebrate Jesus' birth is to remember what really happened from the Bible. So I'll pray and ask God to help us, to to grant us benefit as we reflect on what the Bible says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please teach us from your word, the Bible. Open our eyes and grant us spiritual life. In Jesus' name, Amen. When I was uh, in secondary school, uh, I was the uh, CIP rep, the community service involvement, something like that. Yeah, rep. Yeah. So uh, one, now one time, my school had a donation drive. And my job as the CIP rep uh, was to collect uh, all the donation bags uh, from my class and pass it to the teacher in charge. And now, uh, something that, you, that uh, you might want to know is that when I was 13 years old, I was a very lazy 13-year-old. So I didn't pass the money, the bags, the donation bags to the teacher personally. But what I did, uh, I thought, yeah, it's too troublesome to look for this teacher. So what I did is I went, to, I went to the cubicle and I dropped it off. So now a cubicle is where uh, anyone has, everyone has access to it. This is where the students drop off their homework. So anyone can go to this cubicle and uh, drop off their stuff. And so I dropped off the money in this, in this uh, very public cubicle. The next day, she came to me 
And she, she asked, Nicholas, where are your class's donation bags? Then I realized, oh no, she never got the donation bags. Someone took the money. All the donation bags were gone. All the money was gone. Now again, I was only 13 years old. There was no way for me to pay back everything that was lost. And I, I still remember I have, a, I have a super rich classmate who probably gave lots of money. So I was completely out of my debt. The situation was hopeless. I felt, uh, there, was, I felt that there was no way out. It was Friday. I remember on Saturday and Sunday, I was really sad. I was really depressed about this whole thing. Thankfully, thankfully on Monday, I met a teacher again. A teacher told me, that someone had passed her uh, the donation bags. Now, perhaps uh, you, you are here today because uh, you, are, you, are, you too are face, faced with a problem that's uh, too big for you to resolve. Maybe it's a financial issue, maybe it's an impossibly difficult exam, health issue, or maybe a relationship issue. Maybe there's this, this is big problem that you're hoping that when you, that you are here, that being here, God might take notice uh, of you this, on this special day, Christmas. And maybe God would come down and fix this issue in your life. My friends, today I want to show you that we all have a far worse problem uh, than the big issues that we have in life. And Jesus was born on the first Christmas to fix that super big problem for us. And when Jesus fixed this super big problem for us, then we can have a truly Merry Christmas. So the passage that Sister Pauline read for us today uh, is from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 25. If you have Bibles, please keep them open. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll be finding out three things about Jesus' birth. So we see that his birth is miraculous, and his name is Jesus, and he is called Emmanuel. The so first, his birth is miraculous. Chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. So we're picking up this true story from verse 18. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now you might, you might expect the original story of the king of Christmas to be victory after victory. But the rest of verse 18 says something else. Verse 18. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet he did not, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, as readers of this passage, we know that Jesus was born miraculously. Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't come and sleep with Mary to conceive Jesus. No. Miraculously, the Holy Spirit caused the body of Jesus to, to, to happen without a father. Now for Mary, this, this could have been a scandal. You see, Mary and Joseph were engaged. They were engaged to be married. But other people could see the baby bump growing and growing. And Joseph knew he wasn't the father. Now this was difficult. You see, everyone in town knew that they were supposed to be married. Maybe a date was fixed. Maybe the wedding invites have gone out. Maybe the guest list has been drawn up. And, but now, the bride is pregnant with someone else's child. 
Now, this scandal looks like the beginnings of one of the Korean dramas we watch on Netflix. Our passage says that Joseph was a righteous person. So he cannot accept Mary uh, as his wife. His righteousness cannot tolerate scandal. But he didn't want to uh, shame her. Now, this was a difficult issue. Now, Joseph, uh, he himself never expected this, expected Mary to conceive miraculously, that Mary could get pregnant without another, another man involved. To Joseph, he felt that he was a victim of Mary's unfaithfulness. So he agonized long and hard over what to do. Then he came up with a solution. He decided to divorce her quietly. So he, she won't be shamed too much. Now what this passage tells us is that Jesus' birth was a miracle. Jesus' conception was a miracle. So miraculous, so out of the ordinary, that people can't accept it. That the righteous Joseph found it hard to understand. And friends, Jesus' birth was miraculous because of his mission. Now his mission is uh, revealed to us in two, two parts. So f- okay, let, me, let me get this right. Okay. So first we see, so we see that his name is Jesus and he is called Emmanuel. This is where we see his, Jesus' mission. So first, his name is Jesus. Now as Joseph considered the divorce, God sent an angel to speak to him in a dream to show that, in this dream, to show that God will keep his promises. And here's what the angel said in verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now the surprise here is that God calls him, uh, calls him Joseph, the son of David. It's as if, it's as if uh, Joseph, God got Joseph's surname wrong. You see, Joseph wasn't, Joseph's father wasn't David. His, his father was, in the previous passage, his fa- it says his father was Jacob. So did God send this dream to the wrong Joseph? Maybe, yeah, maybe they got the surname wrong. No, God didn't make a mistake. You see, when, when God calls Joseph the son of David, God has something else in mind. God is thinking about King David. King David uh, lived a thousand years, um, over a thousand years before Joseph. And God had promised King David that one of his children will be this forever king, a king who would save them from, from their enemies, a king who would bring peace uh, to, his, to God's people. And God's people have been waiting and looking forward uh, to this king. And they're waiting and looking forward to this king because now, in, the, in this story, God's people were in a period of no peace. They are in a period of exile. If you have your Bibles, you can look, at me, look with me at chapter 1, verse 17. One, one verse before the passage we are, we are reading today. Verse 17. Thus, uh, there were 14 generations in all, uh, in all from Abraham, there's another ancestor, to David. 14 from David to the exile in Babylon and 14 from the exile, the Messiah. So this is, this is where Mary and Joseph 
uh, I, they are in the, this generation between the exile and the Messiah. God's people were exiled away from God. They were banished away from God, far from God, and they did not get God's promised peace. So this is where they're at. There was no way out of this exile. They were out of their depths. There was no way out. There's no hope for them. So when God says, Joseph, son of David, what this means is God hasn't forgotten his promises. God hasn't forgotten his promise uh, to King David to give them a forever king. And God hasn't forgotten his promise to give them peace through the, through the forever king. So God will bring them back uh, from exile. And how God will do that is through the one, through the child in Mary's womb. Now, promises are a wonderful thing. Okay, let me take this, I'll take this up. I actually have, uh, let me see if I can find it. Yes, there it is. So this, uh, this week, uh, I, this, this came in the, the post. I have a $5 uh, KFC voucher. Now, this $5 KFC voucher is a promise from KFC that when I go to KFC and I want to buy my two-piece uh, two chicken meal, instead of paying $10, which is a lot of money for KFC, this promise from KFC lets me pay $5 instead of $10 because KFC promises to give me $5 off. Now, promises are wonderful things. So someone has said, okay, so just, just look at the, the bottom paragraph of this, with one simple word of promise, a person creates an island of certainty in a sea of uncertainty. With one simple word of promise, a person, a person creates an island of certainty in a sea of uncertainty. God's promise to his people gives them certainty in the time of uncertainty of exile from him. So with this child in Mary's womb, now they were on the verge of receiving all that God had promised to them. All, that, all these promises were going to be fulfilled because this child will be the promised king who will save. God will save through Jesus. Now look with me at verse 21. Verse 21. She, that's Mary, will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This child's name is Jesus. And for some of you, if you have, if you have a, a, like a superscript after Jesus, it, you see that Jesus' name means God saves. In verse 21, uh, what do they need saving from? In verse 21, they need saving from their sin. It was their sin, uh, the people's sin, that brought God's judgment on them. That's why they're in exile, banished far away from God. Their rebellion against God has brought them, uh, brought them uh, exile from God. So in verse 21, uh, we see that God will save them from this, from this sin. That's, that's not all. See, verse 21 also says that Jesus will save people from their sins. So we see, we see two things here. So Jesus means God saves. But verse 21 also says, Jesus I will save people from their sins. So who is it who saves? Is it God? 
Or is it Jesus? Who saves? The answer is, Jesus is God. And Jesus will save his people from their sins. Now we are like God's people. See, you and I and the people in the Bible have a sin problem. Now we tend to think of ourselves as good people who do good things. But we sin. We sin when we reject and rebel against God. We sin and we rebel against God. One example of that is in how we treat one another. Winston Churchill was the Prime Minister, British Prime Minister during World War II. And he said that humans' history is full of war. Our history is full of war. He says the story of human, the human race is war, except for brief and precarious interludes where there has never been, there's never been peace in the world. Long before history began, murderous strife was universal and unending. And last week, I was teaching the children, and we talked about our Christian response when things don't go well in the world. And we say, well, sometimes you might be born in a place where there is war. And one child said, yes, there is even war at home. Now this child is right. You see, where there's supposed to be love and peace at home, sometimes you find conflict. There's arguments, fights, tears, and it's not just the children. This continues when the children grow up to adults and beyond. And there's even conflict between parents and children. There's conflict between husband and wife. And some of us this, this morning might have had a conflict on the way to church. Our, our conflicts with each other testify against us. Our conflicts show us, our conflicts are one type of evidence uh, of our sin against God, our rebellion against God. We rebel against God in how we treat one another. And we also rebel against God in our thoughts, in how we think that our life is our own. So we make up our own rules, our own choices. We become our own gods. The problem is God made us. God made you. He gave you life. He put you in the world that he created, into his world. All the creaturely comforts we have all come from God. So our rebellion against God is uh, the height of treason against a good God. And like God's people, the consequence of uh, our, our sin, our rebellion, is exile. We too are banished far away from God. So we have this uh, filthy stain of of guilt over us that cannot be removed. Even the best good deeds can't do that. Some of us motivate ourselves to do good by saying, maybe if I do more good than evil, then the gods will let me to heaven. Or some of you might think, if I do more good than, than evil, than bad, then I might be reborn with those I love. Or some of us might think, if I do more good than evil, then I will feel like a good person. Now, the problem here is that the problem here is uh, that no one one has has set this uh, spiritual exchange rate. 
Now, some of us went overseas uh, this month, so you need to know uh, how much Sing dollar uh, pays for the amount of ringgit or Taiwanese dollar that you need for your holiday. So how much good uh, must, I, must I do to offset, to pay for the bad that I've done? But if we don't know, then we can never, we can never be sure if we have done enough. And we might find ourselves we are not doing enough good. Or we might find ourselves doing bad deeds in the spur of the moment. And then based on uh, what you believe, when you're when your bad deeds outweigh your good, then the gods might leave you in hell. Or some of you might, based on your thinking, you might find yourself, you might, see, you might, you might interpret the situation as you'll be reborn but as a lowly insect away from your family. Or based on what you believe, you, you, might, you might see yourself as not being a good person. Now this living leads to despair. Hopelessness, where you're up out of your debt, you're in exile from God, just like God's people. Or you might bury your head in the sand and ignore your accumulating guilt before God, but you will still face God's judgment after this life. The only way you can be sure of that your sin has been dealt, uh, dealt with is if Jesus saves you. You see, Jesus is the only one who has committed no sin. He is the only one who has obeyed God Perfectly, 100%. So Jesus saves us by offering a swap. Jesus' perfect sinless status swapped with our imperfect sin-stained status. So God's verdict on us is that you are, you are righteous rather than you are guilty of sin. I heard uh, uh, this story from a teacher friend of mine that uh, one time he was setting an exam uh, for his students. So he said exam, he wrote out the answers, then he sent it to the HOD for vetting, and got approval from the HOD. And then he took the exam paper and sent it to the printing, uh, the printing shop for, for printing. And then when he went to the printing shop to collect his printouts, you know what he realized? He realized he sent the exam script with answers to the printer. So the printer printed all the exam scripts with answers with the teacher's model answers. Now, thankfully, the, the printer could uh, reprint all the scripts for him without the answers. Now, imagine, imagine if a teacher got, received this exam script with the teacher's model answers. All he needed to do to get full marks is write his name at the front and trust that the teacher has done enough work uh, to get him full marks. And he, does not, he, and he does not need to request uh, for a blank exam script and try to do it himself. No, the teacher has already, has already done it for him. Now, in the same way, uh, Jesus has taken the exam for us. Now, in this exam of good deeds, only 100% will pass. And there's no way we can get 100% by trying to do good ourselves. No, the only way is to receive uh, what Jesus has offered us. Jesus' perfect life for our sinful life. So for those of us who feel the crushing weight of our sin and our guilt, Jesus has come to, give, to make this Christmas a merry one for you. Jesus has come to take away your guilt so that God will not hold the guilt of your sin against you. So how do we receive Jesus' saving? We receive it by 
choosing to rely on Jesus to take our sins. We don't receive it by trying to do good uh, to, to save ourselves. No, Jesus has saved us. And now that Jesus has saved us, uh, we live for Jesus. So we do good to say a thank you to Jesus. Now this is an important choice that we all have to make. To rely on Jesus to take our sins. So if you'd like to know more, you know, there are a few things you could do. First, uh, you can speak to me or speak to the person uh, who invited you. We are glad to, to, talk, to share more with you about uh, why Jesus is so important to us and what Jesus means for you. Or uh, you can sign up for Hope Explored. We'll talk about a course uh, afterwards, about well, it's a, course, uh, a course for you to look at the Bible to see who Jesus is. Or you could see the book table. So we have book tables at, near the entrances. So pick up one of the free books about Jesus. So these are the right things to do. The wrong thing to do would be to ignore Jesus as the one who can save you from your sins. Because when you do that, then you have no salvation from your sins. There's no way you can be saved. Jesus' birth was a miracle. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He raises a record for, of our sins in the past and also in the future. And that's not all. You see, when Jesus saves us, this means that our exile has ended. And Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is uh, God with us. So verse 22. All this uh, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Jesus will receive the title Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Now that's the title that God's people uh, will give to Jesus. Just people will give to Jesus. Because Jesus has, so Jesus has saved people from their sins. Jesus is, now Jesus is God with his people. And this fulfill, fulfills God's prophecy. It was God's plan many centuries ago when this prophecy was given. In, in verse 22. That the Virgin Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. That she would give birth to a son. And God's people waited a long time for this to happen. Now it's fulfilled. And now Jesus, now God can be with his people. And what's amazing is this. It's the divine Jesus with his people. Now God's people, again, were sinners. They had no hope of, of having any good from God. So when Jesus came, Jesus saves them from their sins. So they don't deserve anything from Jesus. They don't deserve any good from Jesus. They're not worthy. And when Jesus came, Jesus didn't leave us, our, our relationship with God, in just the neutral zone to take away the, the conflict. Jesus restores our relationship with God. Now we can be with God. And that's not all. You see, the passage says that Jesus is God with us. Jesus, our God, is with us. Jesus is in relationship with us. And it's, amazing, it's an amazing relationship uh, to be with it's amazing to be a privilege to be in a relationship with Jesus, our God. Or it's like having a relationship with someone powerful. Imagine if, you're, if we had a king. So to all of us, well, we will just be the king's subjects. But to the king's family, they have a close, closer relationship with this king. Okay? Yes, they can enjoy the benefits of having a king, the father as a king. Maybe they live in a big house uh, with, with people serving them. 
But more importantly, they can enjoy their relationship, relationship with the king as their father. And that's the same for us. You see, when Jesus, if Jesus is our God, then he is with us, and we are unworthy, insignificant beings. But as the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, he is with us. Jesus, our God, is on our side. That's why it's a great privilege that Jesus, that God, is with us. Now, some of us, uh, so, some people have said that we are now living in this uh, loneliness epidemic. So, a, a, a world poll in October has shown that over one quarter of the world is, feels lonely. So, uh, I did a check. So, our world population is about 8 billion. This means that about 2 billion people are lonely. So, as I was plugging into someone of I think a welcome time, uh, but every fourth person will feel lonely. Now, they may have large families or they may live alone. They may have a huge social media following or they may have no social media account. They may be Christian or not. But our loneliness reveals our heart's cry uh, for relationship. For someone to know us, and love us, despite of what they know of us. And maybe that's you today. Friends, when you rely on Jesus, well, Jesus has saved you from your sin. And then your exile from God has ended, because Jesus is with you. You're never alone. You can speak to God through prayer, and you can hear God as you read his word from the Bible. You get to know God's heart, and God gets to hear about yours. And this will begin to satisfy our need for relationship uh, with, with God that our souls long for. Now, yes, this requires perseverance to pray and to read the Bible uh, daily. But because that's what, uh, that's what relationships need. Relationship, relationships need time. Uh, it's like this uh, preacher that I heard about uh, this week on the podcast. Now, he's a very senior pastor. He could have retired. He's past retirement age, but he chose to continue preaching and continue pastoring. And some of his church members were concerned. He said, Pastor, you're preaching four Christmas sermons of this Christmas season. But he says that he's happy to do that. Why is he happy to preach well, so many sermons? Because, he says, I get to reflect on the message of Christmas. I get to reflect about, on Jesus about four times. And he can grow in his relationship with Jesus. Now, you and I, we don't have to preach four sermons uh, to know Jesus better. But you and I, we, we need to hear God speak to us through his word. And it would be great if you can do that every day. You see, the Bible uh, is God's word. So when we read it, that's God speaking to us. Just now when Pauline read the Bible for us, that's God speaking to you, God talking to you. So friends, we need uh, to build our relationship with God. We need to read the Bible. And we don't just read the Bible to hear what God says. We also have to, we should reflect uh, on what God is saying to us. What does this mean for us? What does this mean? What does this teach us about Jesus? And we respond to God. We speak to God about what we have learned about him. And on top of that, our, our relationship with God brings us into a relationship with God's family. So relate uh, to Christians. 
So we can call uh, those in church our brothers and sisters if you have believed in Jesus. To get to know uh, and love the people at church. Grow relationships with the new, your new family with time. Yeah, things don't, uh, relationships don't uh, suddenly become stronger you know, just, because, just because it happens. No, relationships need time to grow. So this Christmas, we can be merry because Christmas fulfills God's plan to, to be with us through Jesus. So we can be merry this Christmas. We can be happy this Christmas because Jesus is God with us. And our passage ends with well, Joseph uh, waking. In verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph uh, trusted God's words about Mary and the child. So Joseph obeyed. Joseph took Mary as his wife, but he didn't sleep with her until after she gave birth. So, so Mary's birth, Mary gives birth as a virgin, fulfilling God's word through the prophet. Now this helps us to be more sure that God fulfilled his prophecy about Jesus. So we can know that his birth is miraculous, uh, his name is Jesus, and he is called Emmanuel. I said uh, earlier today that you might have come hoping that God will see you this Christmas and God will help you uh, with the, the serious issues you're facing. Maybe a relationship problem, maybe a business problem, maybe a school issue that will take no less than a miracle to solve. Our passage tells us that we have a bigger problem. Our biggest problem is sin. And we can't fix our sin problem. Our, our sin problem exhausts us from God. We are separated from God. But on Christmas, Jesus came to save us from sin. And not just that, Jesus brings us back from exile. Jesus brings us, to close, relation, brings us close to God because Jesus is God with us. But someone has said, the problem isn't that we want too much from Jesus, that we want too little. We want a miracle, but Jesus wants to give us more than that. So God's word reveals that your problem is far worse than you thought. You are a hopeless and helpless sinner in exile from God. But Jesus came on the first Christmas to save you from sin. And Jesus wants to restore us to relationship with him. Jesus wants to be your God. So how to have a truly Merry Christmas? Don't continue in your sins and your exile uh, from God. Let Jesus save you from your sins. Let Jesus bring you close to God. And may Jesus uh, make your Christmas a truly and eternally merry one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for Christmas because on the first Christmas, Jesus came to save us from sin and restore us to a relationship with you. Please work in us to trust in Jesus. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, 
visit us online at busypc.sg.